Shabbat Shalom. We have a lot of people out this week uh, due to the Thanksgiving holiday and due to uh, the wonderful allergies and sinuses that seem to be uh, creeping back in. So uh, we, we, we pray for a mild winter and then the Father gives it to us and then, uh, you know, as just kind of a natural thing with that also comes our allergies and our sinuses. So I know a lot of people are coughing and sniffling and doing all that kind of fun stuff, but hey, uh, you know can't have one without the other in the middle of, uh, at the end of November. So um, speaking of sniffles and coughs, we have a prayer request form if you need prayer. See what, Joe, you like what I did there? I tried really hard on that. No, no, Joe didn't like that. I wasn't smooth enough. Yeah. So we have a prayer request uh, card that's uh, placed on the seats. This is uh, for us to better understand uh, what's going on inside your guys' life and how we can pray for you. Um, these are things that, uh, that our team prays for throughout the week. Um, obviously, we all got our own families. We all go our own ways. There's all these things going on in our life. But uh, we, need to, we need to be able to pray for one another and lift each other up. And so um, if you would, if you have a prayer request, or you have something going on in your life that you'd like for us to pray for, please fill this out. You do not have to put your name on there if you, if you really don't. If you, if you just... You're just looking for prayer. I believe the Lord knows uh, what you're praying for and what's going on in your life. And so if we can just be standing in agreement too, please fill this out. You can either drop that in the pushka here, or you can also drop it in the welcome box out there as well. And we'll collect these every week and we'll be praying for you uh, that the Lord will uh, help meet the needs that you have. With that, tomorrow we have the ladies' prayer gathering. It is going to be at Rosemary Burke's house. And uh, Lynn, what time is that at tomorrow? 9.30, 10 at 10. I was close. I cut it in. So at 10 o'clock tomorrow at Rosemary Burke's house is the ladies' prayer gathering. And so any of the ladies who would like to get together for a time of fellowship and prayer, tomorrow at Rosemary Burke's house. Um, we then also have the Hanukkah conference, which is coming up right around the corner. And the last time I checked, I think there was like maybe 40 seats left out of the 250. So we will have a full house here for the weekend of the 15th, 16th, and 17th. Um, lots of great teachers. going to be jam-packed days all day Friday, all day Saturday. Jimmy Black, Melody Joy, myself will all be doing worship. Uh, Ephraim, Daniel, Daniel McGurr, Chris Knight, uh, Matthew Vanderell. Uh, Monty Judah, so many teachers coming in. And there was on Facebook, for those of you who don't do Facebook, an announcement that Eddie Chumney will also be with us for that weekend. So he was a, uh, a late addition. Um, he's going to be coming to spend Hanukkah with us as a community and also uh, to then teach as well during that conference. And so Eddie will be with us as well. Uh, we'll be offering breakfast here in the morning, a continental style breakfast as well as lunch. But do remember, you have to be registered for that. You can register at HanukkahEvent.com. The fire marshal does not uh, like us to disobey the law. And since we are a, uh, a law teaching community, uh, we definitely don't want to disobey the law of the land and the fire marshal. And so they say about 250 in this room is safe, especially if we're going to do some dancing and flags and stuff like that. So Hanukkah event, there's also a flyer sitting on the welcome bar out there for you as well. 
um, for that. And uh, if you want to get more information, you can definitely get that and take it home, and then you can find out more information about the uh, the conference weekend. Um, if you cannot make it for the Friday or the Saturday, the teaching portion of the conference, Sunday morning and Sunday afternoon, Stephen and Alicia Drews, our outreach coordinators, have put together opportunities for us to be able to go out and minister in the community. Um, this is part of the a pillar of what we do in this community is to try to reach out to those in the community that have needs, some that are less fortunate than us. And there's three or four different opportunities that we're going to have on that Sunday uh, for people to get involved with and help. And so um, if for some reason you cannot be a part of the conference, but you do wish to join us with uh, doing some outreach in the community, you can definitely see Stephen and Leisha about the various opportunities that will come up on that Sunday. And so let's go ahead, let's stand up, let's greet one another on this Shabbat morning, and then we're going to enter into a little bit of a time of prayer before we start with our praise and worship. So. morning. Shabbat Shalom. If I can get everybody to settle down and sit back down for a few minutes. I know it's fun to gather together and visit. Okay, we're going to spend a little bit of time in prayer here and I want to share some things with you. Last week, we prayed for the Carters, and uh, she had a successful birth, and they have a brand new son in their family, so we can thank God for that. Uh, Rosemarie is back again, and she's healing real well and doing real well, so we thank God for that. We need to remember uh, Patrick. He's still undergoing his uh, uh, treatments for, for his prostate cancer. Uh, he's about halfway through his treatments, and uh, he said he's beginning to tell that the uh, radiation is affecting him. He doesn't have as much energy, so we need to remember Patrick and pray for him also. Uh, also, uh, Mike uh, Meyer, he's uh, Lex Meyer's dad, has bone cancer, and uh, uh, we need to be praying for, for him. Uh, the doctor said that uh, it's in about 80 or 90 percent of his bones. So uh, we just need to pray for him. Also, we need to especially pray for Lynn Judah this morning. Uh, she has her better days and some days that are not, not quite as good. Uh, Ephraim said that she had a really good day yesterday, so we can praise God for that. 
but we really need to lift her up and the Judah family uh, for all of them and I pray for them this morning. So what I'm going to ask you to do is you can pray with whoever's next to you or you can pray by yourself or and you're welcome to pray out loud. Uh, I learned a long time ago that God can hear more than one person praying at a time, believe it or not, out loud. So uh, I'm going to give you a few minutes to pray and then I'll close this and close this up. Father, we thank you that we have been able to come before you this morning with our petitions, and we know that you have heard our prayers this morning. You are not a God that's made out of stone or wood and is deaf and can't hear us, but you are real. And we thank you that uh, you hear our, our prayers and you answer our prayers, and we look forward to seeing how you answer our prayers. We ask, uh, we pray for the for the time of worship this morning, that it might be a meaningful time for each of us, and that we might truly worship you with all that we have. We pray for those that are teaching this morning, that their words may be your words, and that their words may cause us to reflect even more on who you are, and to bring us even closer to you. We thank you for this time this morning to spend Sabbath with you and to rest, and we commit this day to you. And we pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. The splendor of our King Clothed by justice let all the earth rejoice, let all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness strives to hide. It trembles at his voice, it trembles at his voice. How great is our God, sing me how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. In times in his hands, beginning and the end, beginning and the end. Our God, there is but one who gave his only Son, the Lion and the Lamb. Lion and the Lamb How great is our God Sing with me How great is our God And all will see How great How great He 
is our God. You're the name above all names. You are worthy of all praise. My heart will sing how great is our God. God, do all the God, celebrated our thankfulness or we have spent time with our family and our friends father may we be thankful for just how great you are just how mighty you are our king our helper our savior our shield blessed be your glorious name whose kingdom is forever and ever yeshua the messiah he is our lord amen Father, you and you alone are why we sing. You and you alone are who we worship. All glory, all power, all adoration be to you and you alone. Will I, will 
share with all of my heart. Yes, I will praise you with all of my strength. I will seek you all of my days. Yes, I will follow, follow all of your ways. And I'll give you all my worship. I'll give you all my praise. You alone, I long to worship. You alone are worthy of my Yes, I will bow down and kneel you as king. Yes, I will serve you, give you everything. I will lift up. My eyes to your throne Yes, I will trust you I will trust in you alone And I'll give you all my worship I'll give you all my praise You alone, I long to worship you alone are worthy of my praise You are my worship And I will give you all my praise You alone I long to worship You alone are worthy of my praise 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 Cause I will worship With all of my heart Yes, I will praise you with all of my strength I will seek you All of my days And I will follow Follow all of your ways And I'll give you all my worship I'll give you all my praise You alone, I long to worship You alone are worthy of mine And I'll give you all my worship I'll give you all my praise You alone, I long to worship You alone are worthy of mine I'll give you all my 
worship Hashem, I'll give you all of my praise You alone, I long to worship You alone, how worthy of my praise And I will give you all my worship I will give you all my praise, you alone, I long to worship, you alone are worthy of my praise, you are worthy of my praise, you are worthy of my praise, you are worthy of my praise. You're worthy of my praise. Yeshua, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days. I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength. Let every breath, all that I am, Never cease to worship you. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar. By the sound of your name, I sing for joy at the works of your hands. Forever I love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have in Yeshua, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. He is my comfort. My my shelter, tower of refuge and strength. Let every breath, all that I am, never cease to worship you. Shout to 
the Lord all the earth let us sing power and majesty praise to the King mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name I sing for joy how the work of your hands forever I love you forever I'll stand nothing compares to the promise I have in For joy at the work of your hands. Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have in Father, there is no promise that is greater than the one of life eternal with you. To praise you, to lift our voices, to bow humbly before your throne, to lift you high. Father, during this time between Sukkot and the Festival of Lights, Father, May your light shine bright through us, Father. May we focus on our lives as being a dedication to you. For, Father, we are not holy. There is only one who is holy. And that is you, Father. Adonai Elohim, the Lord of hosts. Holy, 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 holy.
Die the great I am. You are holy, God. 
Without a home, with no shoes on their feet, you are the great I am. Father, give us your heart and give us weight that we may be light to this nation. Give us your eyes to see those that are hurting in this community. You are the restorer. You are the healer. You are the great I am. The one who is and is to come. You are the great I am. I Let it be a sweet 
in what you hear and let it be a sweet sweet sound in your and is to come. El boy, the mighty God. Take joy upon what you hear. That you have given us a new song, Father. That you have given us a new path, Father. That our hearts have been drawn back to you. Take joy, our King, in the anticipation we have in our heart for your son's return. Take joy, our King, in the joy we find in bringing you praise and adoration. May our offering be a sweet aroma. May arise like incense and be acceptable in your sight, Almighty King. For there is none like you in all of the earth. For who is like our God, there is none in all of the earth. Father, we give you thanks for this Sabbath day. We give you thanks for the opportunity to come together, Father, to lift our voices high to you, to bring our praise to you, to lay it at your feet, Father. For who is like you in all the earth, Adonai Elohim, there is none like you. Glory and holiness. Father, for those who are hurting. Father, those who are ill. Father, we ask that you would bring your comfort, your shalom, your peace to their lives. To their home, Father. That they would know that they are not alone, but they are in the hands of the mighty God. The everlasting God. That they would know that we love them, Father. That we are with them, too. That we are petitioning you, our King, on their behalf. For, Father, you could have left us in our state of misery. On that road that we thought was leading to you, Father. That was leading to destruction. But you saw fit, Father, to reach down and to meet each and every one of us there. To give us hope. To give us vision, Father. And to re-guide us onto your path. Leading us back to you. Though this world, Father, may despise you. With everything in our being, we love you and we praise you. 
may we be a light that shines bright in this dark world father showing the way back to you father that you and you alone are our healer that you and you alone can save father we are blessed father to have your torah father we are blessed to have your word and we are blessed father that you would love us enough that you would send your son that he would give his life that I may have everlasting life father we look forward to the day when we will see Mashiach return for his bride and we look forward to the day, Father, when we will all be in Yerushalayim. And we will sing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. For it's in your Son, Yeshua's name, that we humbly come before your throne this morning. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for joining us here at HFF on this beautiful Shabbat, beautiful weather the Lord has given us here in November. Our Torah portion for this week is entitled Vayetzi, which is an interesting portion because it gives us one concise story, a story of Jacob and his journey to a land known as Padamaran, where he went and where he fled from his parents' house, from Isaac and Rebekah, because Esau has, had sought his life after he had received the blessing from his father Isaac. And he leaves and he goes to the place where his mother came from, and he goes to seek a wife. And our portion... There's a great deal that takes place, but it all takes place in, in, up in that area. It talks about Jacob's journey, that he lays his head down one night and he sees a ladder stretching to heaven and he sees the angels of God ascending and descending upon it. And then he meets Rachel at a well and she's beautiful and he falls in love at first sight. And she goes back to her father, Laban, which happened to be Jacob's uncle as well. And there's a whole series of things that takes place with Jacob, from him working to earn the hand of Rachel, whom he loved, then Laban pulling a switcheroo and having him marry Leah instead. Works another seven years for Rachel. He marries both of them. And then we have in our story the birth of Jacob's children. And through this, we know all the tribes of Israel were born. And that there's a great plan and purpose to Jacob's life, having this great family and all of these sons and one daughter. And the story continues and goes through with him meeting with Laban and continuing to make a deal with Laban on when he would leave, that he would receive his wages and that he would uh, receive the flocks of Laban and that he would build up his wealth through the flocks of Laban. And then when he goes to leave, after Laban had 
changed his wages multiple times. Then he goes to leave and Rachel grabs an idol from Laban's house. So when he then leaves to go back to the land of his family, Laban follows after him. And what it is, is Laban's unable to find his possession. Yet they make a covenant, Laban and Jacob, before Jacob enters back into the land where he came from. Our Torah portion has this one concise story of this journey of Jacob traveling up to this land. The part that I want to focus on this morning, though, is talking about Rachel and talking about Leah. We're talking about the ones that Jacob, he fell in love with Rachel for her beauty. But Leah, she was unloved, yet through circumstances ended up being married to this man, Jacob. And through all the sons and children that Leah bore, we know that God had a plan and a purpose for Leah to be married to Jacob, to give him these sons. I believe I'm from the tribe of Judah, and we're talking about my great-great-great-grandmother. If Leah had not been married to Jacob, I wouldn't be here. So we know there's a great plan for Leah, this woman that was unloved, but then there's Rachel who was loved. But the thing that I, any study that I've done, and this is something that it's like our perception is that this is some sort of beautiful love story between Rachel and Jacob, and and he loved her, and she couldn't bear any sons for a great deal of time. But when you look at the scripture, unfortunately, when you look at it, I never see any instance of Rachel loving Jacob, ever. Jacob kissed her when he first met her, and he says, hey, I'm your cousin, and now I'm here, and this is my family. What'd she do? She ran and went back to her dad. And then when it came time for the marriage and the wedding, and behold, he marries Leah instead of Rachel. Where was Rachel? Was Rachel fighting for it? It's like, no, I want to marry him. Don't, don't, Don't let him marry Leah. Where was Rachel? Nowhere to be found. And then when it came time that she was, uh, uh, when they, Leah was bearing children and then the handmaidens were bearing children. And then what is it that, that Rachel trades a night with her husband Jacob for some mandrakes? She had more interest in whatever these mandrakes were than for her to maintain, be attached to her husband. And then when it came time to leave, she's asking, well, what's our inheritance from my father if we're leaving his house and he's like, we're, we're going to leave. And what she do? She goes back for an idol in Laban's household. And then she takes that with her. Nowhere in the scripture does it show Rachel, the one who was loved, being attached to this man, Jacob, who loved her. There's two kinds of people in the world. There's ones that feel like they're loved. They receive love. They receive all the blessing. And they, and they, and they, they feel that and it fills them up. And then there's people that feel like they're unloved, feel like they're not good enough, feel like they're not worthy. We have that example here in our scripture for this Torah portion. Of a woman, Rachel, who was loved, who had beauty, but nowhere, it almost like she took it for granted. That she, she, the blessing was all there, but however, she goes after back after an idol instead of being attached to her husband. She trades a night with her husband for some mandrakes. She, she, doesn't, she doesn't really attach herself to him. But then Leah, who's unloved, she loved Jacob. And there was a great plan and a purpose for her to be a part of that family. And you can see that through the children, through the sons that she bore. And there's a great story that I'm, that 
can be told with all the naming of the children and that she had seven children with Jacob. She had Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah. Then later she bore Issachar, Zebulun, and then the only daughter, Dina. Seven children. It was a plan of God for her to be a part of that family. One other interesting thing of note is that I think Dina and Zebulun were actually twins because it never said that she conceived again and bore Dina. It only says that she conceived with Zebulun and then bore Zebulun and afterward bore Dina. Interesting little note there as well. Almost as if she had six children and the sixth one was a double portion, if you will. There was a plan for Leah to be a part of that family. We can take application to our own lives. Many of us feel like we're, some of us feel loved and encouraged and strengthened in, in our lives that we, as we go about and live our lives. But it's so easy when that happens that we take it for granted. Wherever those blessings come from, we don't, we don't attach ourselves to that. It's, it's so much, it's hard for us sometimes to thank the person where the, where the blessings came from or for us to remember those things. We tend to like gossip and slander more than a compliment. And so we never, we don't think about those things. When we're loved and we're blessed, we, we take those things for granted. But those that are unloved, be encouraged. Because when you feel all of that, the, the pressure that comes against you, and when you feel like that, you're, that, that the Lord's not doing anything with you and you're loved and you're downtrodden, the Lord uses those people for his plan and his purpose. And that wherever you are, wherever you're going, the Lord has a plan for you. Be encouraged. Be strengthened, knowing that the Lord is guiding your steps. It seems like those, especially anybody that works in ministry, knows that you feel this great deal of persecution all the time. When you feel like you're doing, whenever you feel like you're on the path that the Lord wants you on, man, every roadblock is in your way. Every struggle, every frustration. And there's some people that say, actually, when, I, when that happens, I know that I'm on the right path. If you're on your way to a religious conference or an event or something that you feel like you're supposed to be there and you get a flat tire, almost that's confirmation. It's like, Lord, I know you are, I'm on the right path. So whenever you're feeling unloved, when you're ever in trial, tribulation, and struggle, be encouraged. The Lord is using you and teaching you something. And if you feel like you are, if you feel like you're loved and everything is, everything's good, be cautious. Never forget where those blessings come from. Attach yourself to the one who gives you those blessings. Because all those things, they come from the Most High God, our groom. We are his bride. We need to attach ourselves and not be looking back, going after anything that the world gave us or any other uh, idols that, that we think that are, are good. Don't be like Lot's wife looking back and becoming a pillar of salt. Don't be like Rachel going back for an idol in the house. But attach yourself to the groom, the one who loves you. Amen? Heavenly Father, we come before you on this Sabbath day. We thank you for all the blessings that you give to us here at this fellowship. We thank you, Lord, that we can come together, worship your name, hear your teaching, your instruction. May we be blessed and strengthened and encouraged on this Sabbath day. May we be rested and refreshed and ready to go about our day-to-day -day lives. May we be encouraged in everything that we do, Lord. 
You are with us. You are present with us in all things, in all days, at all times, Lord. May we recognize that. May we remember always the love that you have for us, the sacrifice that you made. May we never take that for granted. And Father, blessed are those who are persecuted in your name, Father. I pray that they stay encouraged and strengthened knowing you are guiding their path, guiding their steps. So we love you, bless you, and thank you on this Sabbath day. We thank you for this fellowship, this time together. We give you all the honor, the glory, and the praise. It's in your son, Yeshua, we pray. Amen. If we could, let's bring up all of the children. Let's pour out a blessing upon them on this Sabbath day. We have a winner every week. I know a lot of people are out of town, so we might have a little bit of a lesser crowd than usual. Still the same amount of disputes for seating arrangements. All right, let's pour out a blessing upon these children. Heavenly Father, we come before you on this Sabbath day. We thank you, Lord, for the wonderful unmerited favor, your grace in our lives, Lord, that is represented by each and every one of these children, Father. We thank you for the honor and the blessing and privilege that it is, that you've entrusted them to our care. Father, we love them and we thank you, Lord, for the wonderful blessing that they are at all times, Lord. Father, I pray that those who ever have a chance to speak into their lives, Lord, whether it be the moms or the fathers or any elder, Lord, that may we always remember to speak life into them and encourage them and strengthen them. Give us the wisdom and the knowledge and the words to say at all times that they would be encouraged, that they would learn to grow and that they would learn to live and walk uprightly before you, following after your commandments and knowing of your great salvation. So, Father, I pray that you make the sons to be as Ephraim and Manasseh, make them fruitful and multiply, Lord. Cause them to grow up to be righteous men, Lord, leaders of their own family and their own households. I pray that you make the daughters to be as Ruth and Esther, make them righteous daughters of Zion, Lord, and may your words and your kindness and your mitzvot always be in their mouths and on their hearts. So we love you and bless you on this Sabbath day, Lord. We thank you for each and every one of these children. We pour out a blessing upon them. We pray that you lift your, up your countenance upon them and give them peace. It's in your son, Yeshua, that we pray all of these things. Amen. Shabbat shalom. Did anyone have a good Thanksgiving? Oh, wait, or is that one of those pagan holidays we can't do? Uh, no. Um, so uh, some of us had the, uh, the pleasure of being able to go to the city rescue mission on Thanksgiving and being able to serve there. Um, if you guys missed out on that opportunity, there's another opportunity coming up. Uh, next Sunday, December the 3rd, see uh, Stephen and Alicia about that. It's at 4.15 p.m., on Sunday the 3rd at the City Rescue Mission, so make sure you see them about that because they've still got some spots open for that. So anyway, um, so as you can probably tell from my voice here, um, I caught the cold that's going around, okay? So if, uh, if you happen to see my, my beard glistening today, it's probably not the same anointing oil as Aaron had flowing on his beard, okay? It's probably something else completely different, okay? So... Anyway, uh, getting into this week's uh, portion here, uh, of course, to, to set this up, we need to go back a little bit. 
You see, what took place here is we, we just heard a, a brief synopsis from Ephraim about what took place in, in this week's readings. However, to set that up, we need the, the backstory. So we know that uh, several weeks ago we read about how uh, Esav, Esau, how he sold his birthright to Yaakov, his brother, Jacob. And that he didn't regard his birthright as something to be, uh, you know, uh, treasured. Well, when we start to understand that the birthright is actually more about spiritual blessing and the spiritual leadership of the household and not necessarily monetary blessing, then it starts to make a little more sense. Then we see that in last week's readings that Yaakov then took the blessing, which is the material portion. This is why Esav gets upset. Because Esav had his eyes on inheriting from his father's household the wealth of his father. It wasn't about the spiritual leadership. He didn't have any desire for that. He was a man of the field. He didn't want to lead the household. Instead, he just wanted the material wealth, the blessing that came from inheriting what his father had. And he wanted that double portion blessing so that he had more than his brother. Of course, we know that what took place was that, that uh, Rivka got involved and she tells Yaakov, this is what you're supposed to do. And he goes and he does it and they fool Yitzhak, Isaac. Okay, and of course, then we see that as we read chapter 27 in last week's readings of Genesis chapter 27, then Esav utters an oath. He says, when my father dies, I'll kill my brother. And Rivka hears of it. And she says, uh, nope, this can't happen. Yaakov, you need to go to my family. So her, her family's up in Aram, of course, like we read a couple of weeks ago. How, you know, the servant went up to the land of Aram, which is in northern Syria, southern Turkey area, and, and got Rivka and brought Rivka back with them. Okay, Rebecca. Well, what happens here is that if we, if we our normal concept is that Esav says, I'm going to kill Jacob, and Jacob flees. That's not how it reads. Because in chapter 27, Esav does say, when my father dies, I'll kill my brother. And Rivka does overhear this. And Rivka does tell Yaakov, you need to go to my family. But then chapter 28 begins. It says, Yitzhak calls Yaakov unto him and says, go unto Rivka's family. And there's no repercussions. Where's the outrage Yitzhak got fooled. He got hoodwinked. And yet there's no outrage. There's no reaction that's recorded for us that Yitzhak's ever upset about the fact that Yaakov tricked his brother and got the blessing in addition to the birthright. In either case, Yaakov is now instructed by his father Yitzhak to go unto Aram and to find a wife from among those people just as he received his wife from among those people. So then we see that, uh, you know, this, this assumption about, you know, Yaakov fleeing to, to get away from Esav, who wants to kill him, it's not necessarily, um, you know, completely accurate. And then when we see that when Yaakov comes back and he sends the parties in front of him, to dissuade his brother from killing him. Um, and then we see Esav's response, which is peaceful towards his brother. 
Because of course, at this time, Yaakov's been gone for a couple of decades. Esav's received the inheritance. He's gotten the wealth from his father's household. And the funny thing is that Yitzhak is still alive at this point, okay? So once Yaakov leaves, Esav now has no, even though he didn't receive the blessing, the blessing truly becomes his as far as monetary wealth is concerned because the wealth of the household becomes his. And when Yaakov returns, he's got enough wealth of his own that's been amassed that he doesn't need that, okay? So, but we see then that this week's reading starts in verse 10 of chapter 28. And in that, it says that Yaakov arrives at a certain place and pitches a camp, okay? Now, in the Hebrew, that certain place is the Hebrew phrase makom, and there's a lot of conjecture about exactly where this was when, when Yaakov arrives at this place because the Hebrew word makom is used in many, many contexts throughout scripture. But one area that you will find it is it refers to the place, Yerushalayim, where the temple is, the place, okay? So there's a lot of speculation theologically about exactly where he was and when he set up this pillar and anointed it, it was that on, you know, the Mount of Olives, was that, you know, where the temple mount was, et cetera, et cetera. But either way, that's all speculation, okay? But we see that it says in verse 12 that he has a dream. And in this dream, he sees something. It says, he had a dream and behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And behold, the angels of Elohim were ascending and descending on it. So there's this vision that he has, a dream. And in this dream, he sees this ladder that is connecting the earth to the heavens. And he sees these angels going up and down on this ladder. And he wakes up and he says, surely the presence of the Lord was in this place and I didn't know it. And so he sets up this pillar, he anoints it. And then some other things take place, which we'll get to here in a moment. But I want to focus on that ladder here for just a second. You see, again, this is, this is Yaakov. And, and Yaakov, when he tricked via his mother's plan, when he tricked his father, Esav says, is he not rightfully named supplanter? For he has taken from me these two times. Okay. When we keep that in mind, and then we look at the words of Yeshua in the opening chapter of John, because in John chapter 1, verses 47 through 51, something takes place. There's a, a, name, a, a man by the name of Netanel, okay, gift of God, Nathaniel. And he says, he's approached by Peter. And Peter says, you got to come look at this. This guy, he's from Nazareth, and he's, he's, you got to come see him. And Netanel's response, can any good kind of come out of Nazareth? Nazareth? Then what happens is, it says in 47 through 51, Yeshua saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, Behold an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Now keep in mind, we're talking about the context here of what we just covered is that the claim about Yaakov is that he was deceitful. Okay? That he tricked his brother. Right? And so here, 
He's saying, Yeshua, speaking of Nathanael, saying, a man in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael, rather than saying, you're wrong, he says, how do you know me? How can you make this statement about me? I've never met you in my life. Yeshua answered to him and said, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of Elohim. You are the king of Israel. So here, Nathanael makes this claim because Yeshua saw without physically being there exactly where he was and what he was doing. So Nathanael instantly recognizes that Yeshua has a spiritual vision of some kind that is higher than what we would typically have. Yeshua answered and said to him, because I said that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens opened and the angels of Elohim ascending and descending on the Son of Man, claiming to be that ladder. Here, Yeshua is making the claim that he is that ladder. And here, then, we start to understand why he would say, a man in whom there is no deceit. Because it now places us within the context of the story of Yaakov. And now, the ladder vision that he had. And he making the claim, I am that ladder. So we see, then, that Yaakov, after having this vision, it says in verse 15 something very interesting. Behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go. This is Adonai speaking to, to Yaakov. And will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And then we see Yaakov's response in verses 20 through 21. It says, then Yaakov made a vow saying, if Elohim will be with me and will keep me on this journey that I take and will give me food to eat and garments to wear and I return to my father's house in safety, then Adonai will be my Elohim. Now, we typically tend to, historically speaking, hold the fathers of our faith up in this, you know, perfect light. Okay, they never did anything wrong. Okay? Uh, unfortunately, that's not necessarily the truth. Okay? Because they were human just like we are. They made mistakes just like we did. Okay? So, we have to understand that there was a, a mindset that was taking place. So, the, the mindset that would have, would have been geographically and theologically in this time and, and, and place, and we see this throughout Scripture, is that gods were controlling certain regions. And that they were, that's why they would be placed, idols would be placed on high places, mountaintops. Because from there, everywhere that you can see would be under the control of that god. Okay? And so, this is, this explains why you have the high places that are mentioned throughout scripture, uh, especially through the prophets when they talk about tearing down the high places and things of this nature. Because again, it was seen that gods were territorial. There was a god of Persia, there was a god of Babylon, there was a god of this place, this place. Well, you know, it's, dare I suggest that Yaakov wasn't quite yet of the mindset that there was only one god. Okay. And dare I mention or, or suggest that Yaakov thought that his God was territorial like the other gods were territorial. And yet here he is leaving his land. And Adonai telling him, 
No, I go with you. I'm not bound by territory. I'll be with you wherever you go. And Yaakov's response is, if you are with me wherever I go, and you bring me back to this land, then you will certainly be my king. Now, it's similar to um, when the, the land claim, okay, so we live in Oklahoma, right? So the, 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 the university here is the Sooners, and gets this, this phrase from those that during the land rush, the grab for ter- territory here, that they got here quick, and that they staked their claim of land, and this was my land, and place your flag there, this is my territory, okay? It's the same kind of, of, of mindset here, is that these gods had these specific regions, and yet this is revolutionary. Because Yaakov is hearing a king who has no territory is free to move throughout all territories. And wherever you go, I will be with you. This is, this is revolutionary. This also explains why we see, why he would reference over and over the same concept. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. For Adonai your Elohim is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. This is, the context here is the children of Israel are about to leave the western banks, I'm sorry, the the eastern banks of the Jordan and go into the land of Israel. Where, by the way, other gods are in control. And he says, do not tremble or be afraid, I go with you. We see the same thing repeated for Joshua. In chapter 1, verse 9, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for Adonai your Elohim is with you wherever you go. We see the same thought process played out in Isaiah. Chapter 41, verse 10, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your Elohim. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now keep in mind, in the story of Genesis, Yaakov was all alone. He took very little with him. He certainly did not have an entourage. He's by himself. He's in a strange land, surrounded by strangers. Of course, people are strange when you're a stranger. He was challenged by his circumstances. You see, here he was in a far-off place, He had dwelled in tents his whole life, meaning he had stuck close to the family because he was assuming the spiritual responsibility for the household. And now he's all by himself. His circumstances were not perfect. And he's being encouraged by the father, I will be with you. You see, the latter, the one who connects us to the heavens, is always with you. And he has sent us a helper. It says in John 14, verses 26 and 27, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Peace, shalom, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled nor let it be fearful. The same phrase that we saw repeated in Deuteronomy, Joshua, and Isaiah. Then we see Peter 
in his letter, the first chapter, uh, I'm sorry, in, in chapter four, in his first letter, it says, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you, but to the degree that you share the sufferings of Messiah, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. In other words, this time of trial that you may be going through right now is just practice. Practice rejoicing because there's going to be a time coming when we are in the kingdom with him when you'll need that practice of rejoicing because you'll be rejoicing eternally. We see Paul echo these thoughts. In 2 Corinthians, the first chapter, it says, Blessed be the Elohim and Father of our Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, the Father of mercies and Elohim of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by Elohim. Sometimes we ask, why am I going through this? Ephraim mentioned, it's when, especially when you are called, it's like everything is against you. Why? Why have you put this circumstance in front of me? Why is life not easy? Why is it so difficult? Why am I faced with this challenge? We're reminded by Paul here. It may very well be that we're experiencing what we are so that we can be in a position when someone else is going through the same rough spot that we can be an encouragement to them in the same way that he has been an encouragement to us. Because if he is living in us and the helper is living within us, then we should be a helper to others, yes? Paul also says, later on in, in chapter four, therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, anyone got an outer man that's decaying? Every day. Though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary, light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the, the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. They're temporary. They're going away. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, that phrase, the things that are, are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What does this mean? What's Paul trying to say here? Well, there's a story that took place several weeks ago in our readings in which Abraham and his nephew Lot, they had come to a place where they couldn't coexist because their flocks were just too large and, and they couldn't find enough grazing ground for their flocks. So Abraham approaches his nephew and he says, look, before you is the entire land. Choose which way you will go and I'll go the other way. And here's what takes place. Lot looks with his eyes. And he sees, oh, here's the good stuff. This is the good part of the land. I'll take that. And Avraham says, okay, I'll take this portion, which doesn't look so good. 
And yet we see no description that Abraham is ever disappointed in what he receives. And we only see the fact that Abraham is then blessed no matter where he goes. And what happens to Lot? He ends up in a position where he's pretty much forsaken all the good stuff to go into the dwelling of a town. Okay? See, what happened was one looked with their eyes and then one looked through his vision. Same thing happens when Abraham is given the promise. The promise is, I will make many nations through you and through your seed, all nations will be blessed. And Abraham says, <laughs> what seed? Eliezer is my servant. He's my inheritor. I don't, I don't have a seed. And yet, it says that Abraham, though looking at what was in front of him, he did not have a son to inherit. Yet he believed the word of the Lord, and it was reckoned unto him as righteousness, because he had faith, and he saw not with his own physical eyes, but with the vision that the Lord had given him, eyes of faith. Now, I'm not talking about spiritual eyes. I'm not talking about, so I come from a background um, that is uh, Pentecostal. I'm a Reformed Pentecostal, okay? And I have seen enough abuse of the the gifts of the Spirit, to say, I'm not talking about some spiritual, oh, I see this, okay? Eyes of faith, looking at our circumstances and saying, I don't believe this report because I know he's faithful. Though I may be here all by myself, yet the latter is with me. Though I may be here all by myself and not know anyone here, yet my God will go with me. He is with me at all times. Despite what my circumstances what be, uh, may be, despite what report I may be getting, despite how bleak things might look, because man has given me some report and said, this is what's going on. I don't have to believe that unless I want to live like Lot. If I want to live like Abraham, then that report isn't factual unless he says it is. Isaiah 40. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting Elohim, Adonai, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary. And to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for Adonai will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. It's easy to become weary. It's easy to look at what's in front of us and the challenges that are there and the circumstances we find ourselves in. Maybe we're at that place where we're by ourselves. Maybe we're at that place where we feel like we've been rejected even by our family. Maybe we're in that place where we're going to a strange place where we don't know the outcome of what's coming. And yet, he promises, he is with you 
no matter what the challenge, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the report, he is with you. Now is not the time to become weary. As the old adage says, there will be plenty of time to sleep when you're in the grave. Now is not the time to sit back and rest. Now is the time, like Yaakov, upon hearing the word of the Lord and hearing the promise that I will go with you. Now's the time to pick up and continue on the journey that he set before you and not stay where you're at. Now is the time to forge on fearlessly, ever mindful that he is with you no matter where you go. Now, he established a wonderful pattern in scripture and that pattern is that the original plan was a tabernacle. The tabernacle, of course, was a reflection of what was in the heavenlies that Moshe saw when he was on the mountain. But here's a couple things to point out about the tabernacle. Unlike the temple, the tabernacle is mobile. The tabernacle is temporary. It needs maintenance because it falls apart. Some might say it's like a body that's decaying. Now we can understand when Paul makes reference to the fact that we are the temple. Of course, keeping in mind that Paul lived in a time and a circumstance where there was a physical temple. But we can start to understand. If the Holy Spirit, the helper, is within us, it's a pattern of the tabernacle where his spirit dwelt with men. Temporary as it may have been. Decaying as it may have been. Imperfect as it may have been. A dirt floor. And yet, his presence dwelt there in power and in kavod glory. We are that tabernacle. His presence is within us. If he is for us, who can be against us? Walk in such a way that we honor him, mindful of the fact that he's with us wherever we go. For his presence stayed in that tabernacle. And in the same way that he did for Yaakov, Adonai, as we journey with him and he goes with us, he will make us fruitful in all that we do. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the encouragement that is there. Father, you are so awesome. You have promised to go with us. You have promised to be our strength, our helper, our provider, our protector. You have promised to do all these things on our behalf simply because you are good and your love is everlasting. We thank you for the encouragement that we receive from your word. And we ask that you would help us to keep ourselves mindful that we are not to look at our circumstances as how they see, appear to be, but as how you see them. And you see us victorious. Father, we submit our lives to you. We pray that you would indeed be with us everywhere we go. And may we give you glory and honor through our lives. We pray all this in the name of your son, Yeshua. Amen. If we could all rise, please.
spoken to Moshe and said, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Yeshua the Messiah, the Prince of Peace. Shalom. I don't want to hear anymore. Teach me to listen. I don't want to see anymore. Give me a vision that you could move this heart.